0: The lesson in all of this, for you and for me, and really for all of us, ethics matter, principles matter, principles aren't new, principles are something that exists in time. Principles are historic. You can't come up with new principles. You can come up with new ideologies, you can come up with new policies, you can come up with new laws, but you can't come up with new principles. Principles have been established since the dawn of time. Hey, this is Rick Sanchez, and this is the Rick Sanchez Podcast, and I'm so grateful that you're there and that you and I can have this conversation once again about things that matter and make a difference in our lives. And once in a while, we like to take stories right from the headlines. You know, they use that expression, we're going to rip something from the headlines and talk about it. And we're going to do that today, but I I, I just, there's this thing called ethics, right? And And we are tussling with it all the time. All of us are. I mean I just saw a statistic that says every single one of us right you and me and everybody we know even our mothers as perfect as she may be lies at least five or six times a day some more than others right so so there's we are we are not perfect human beings we are not necessarily ethical we are not necessarily principled in fact we are all unprincipled in some ways right so it's a challenge um, and, and here's what makes this difficult, right? I want you to stay with me on this. It would be easy if all we knew th- that we were talking about in this case was a, was a, was a science, right? In science, two and two will equal four, right? The thing about science is it's a branch of inquiry where it involves factual knowledge, right? It either rained or it didn't rain, Right. We know it rained, it didn't rain, it was sunny, it wasn't sunny. Those are factual uh, conclusions. But when it comes to something like ethical behavior and principles, it doesn't come from a scientific measurable base. It comes from something that is called the inner core. It's in you. It's right here. It's in your heart. What is your inner core? And and where the hell did that come from? And how come I know people who have it and I also know people who don't? And I know people who have that inner core, that sense of ethics, that sense of principle that makes them, to me, trustworthy. And then I know people who have it less. so, And... It's tough because we all want to win. We all want more money. We all want more fame. You do. I know you do. You want more money, right? You want more fame. You want to win. Maybe if not for you, for your family. But whatever it is, when those things slip in, the stakes change. We all change. So why am I talking about this? I mean, I would be remiss not to talk about George Santos. You've heard about George Santos. It's this dude who ran for Congress and won. He ran for Congress and won. So I've been thinking a lot about George Santos and I think anybody else who's even, you know, I always tell you, don't sit there and watch the news all day, but this is one of those stories that just jumps out at you and you go, wow, there's this really, this guy who, who won and ran for Congress and he made up his entire, Entire life story we all make shit up we all embellish our stories if i was to go fishing tomorrow i guarantee you the fish that i catch when i tell the story will be bigger <laughs> and the fight with that fish will be longer and 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 the the incredible strength i needed to pull that rod was much more than whatever it really was cuz that's just our nature i mean you want to tell a good story to your friends and you know, I caught the biggest fish. is part of our condition as human beings to, you know, elaborate and embellish. I get that. That's not this. That's not, this is not this is, is you know. Embellishment is when you say when you were in school, you always got straight A's. Okay, no, you didn't. I know that, but you know what? I get it. You, you were. I was really smart, man. I always got straight A's. Okay, fine. But uh, to say you went to Harvard when there's no record at Harvard that you went there, that's different. That's a bold faced lie. And that's, oh, my God, I I could go on. So the reason, again, yesterday I was contacted by one of the most historically important periodicals of our time, uh, Christian Monitor Science, Christian Science Monitor. They asked me some questions. They're writing a story about this congressman. His name is George Santos. And they're gathering the opinions of thought leaders in the United States. And I was honored to be chosen. And they asked me the following questions. Why are these stories about this guy coming to light now? And what happened to the vetting responsibilities of the media? And what happened in terms of opposition research? And what does this election mean in terms of the current state in the U.S. politics? And, um, and finally, they asked me, Might his election represent a tipping point in the need for factual, verified, and trustworthy information in political campaigns? So those are all the, you know, very journalistic questions that they wanted me to give answers to. And I'm going to share my answers with you in in, in just a little bit. Um, I want to bring in Scotty now, My, uh, my pal Scotty Mednick, who is a part of this conversation as well, as we talk a little bit about George Santos. And I guess, Scotty, the only way to tell the George Shantos stories is to tell his lies, right? I mean, we're let's yeah. let's go through and explain. Um, there's a lot of them, but I think I've got <laughs> more than a handful here that we can explain easily. We'll start with his biography, where he writes, uh, and I'm quoting now. I'm trying to be as specific as possible and not be boring, but um, you you may have heard this. He came forward and said that his grandparents were Jews who fled the persecution in Ukraine. Interesting that he used Ukraine. He could have used any other country in, you know, in Eastern Europe, but he used Ukraine. Uh, and then he said they settled in Belgium and then they fled once World War II broke out because they were being chased by the Nazis, of course. And then he said that his family changed their original name, which was originally Zabrowski, I guess trying to infer that that's more of an Eastern European name, that usually Eastern European names are more Jewish sounding or Jewish names, whatever. And, uh, so he made all that information up and he said it, he said, he said as much several times, including he, he said it once in an interview on uh, Fox news. He also said it, um, in another, uh, setting, Scotty, you're Jewish. I mean, not Mm -hmm. that you have to be Jewish to be able to talk (laughs) about somebody not telling the truth, but, um, We start with that lie. I I think that may have been the one that was really the tipping point because he ran for office and won in New York and uh, specifically in a part of New York where there happens to be a lot of Jews. There are also a lot of
1: Hispanics, but still. Right. No, it's a heavily there's a a large constituency of Jewish uh, people in, you know, in his district. So it would benefit him, at least on paper, to have some sort of Jewish heritage or Jewish background. or So, you know, that's kind of what he decided to run with, it seems. But a
0: lie is a lie. Why does the Jewish lie matter more in this case? Can you explain that to us as— as you know, not that you're a super Jew. But, no, of course, you know, no. By no, it, no means am I super Jew. But no, to, you grew up with parents and grandparents who, yeah. you, you know, maybe, I, you think, know I, th- you went I think to it, I think
1: a good way to explain it is kind of even looking in Miami. You know, why would it benefit somebody in Miami running as a Cuban because they feel they can relate to the people they've they've had the same struggle, they've had the same experiences, yeah. the same culture, okay. you know, same culture. So I think I think there's a benefit to saying that if. Even though my last name doesn't seem Jewish, but I, I've been around Jewish people, I understand. I understand the struggle of Jews in this country. I am one of you. It may make them somebody check a box as opposed to somebody that would be African American that has no idea or never grew up around. But, Jewish but people, what's the example. difference?
0: Okay, you just said something interesting. When a candidate says, "I understand your struggle," he's speaking to a mm-hmm. group of Jews, right? Yeah, and he says to these this, this, this group of, of, of Jewish Americans. Who've all gathered there at a synagogue or whatever, as, as right. people often do. And he says, I understand your struggle. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. How no, much no. more does it become almost a sin to I, say, I, 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 I don't just understand your struggle, I am one of you. My mother. I, Survived the Holocaust and escaped from Ukraine and then Belgium and then left the United States and the Nazi and were chasing her and my yeah. grandfather down and etc cetera, etc. Cetera. If I said mother, I meant grandmother. Right. Um,
1: I, I think it's when he puts the personalization on it. I think when it becomes about me as opposed to being about you because he's on, you know. And he won with, I mean, you know, it's arguable why he won. I mean, whatever. But that's one of the reasons why it seems that he won. So if I were to run, for example, in Miami and I would to tell the people of Miami that my grandparents fled communist Cuba in 1959 and, and had to escape Castro and they lost the farm and everything else. Even though my last name is Mednick, even though I don't speak a lick of Spanish, I, I man, what my grandparents, the stories they told me. Auto, automatically, I would get a boost in my pop, in, in my rate in my votes. People hmm. would say, "Wow, you know, this guy Scott, you know, he understands us," and that seems but to be what, me what but, you know what, the Santos was doing.
0: All right, so let, let's let's move on because I I I think I think there's there's a point to be made here, but it's not just the point to be made with that, but with everything right. that we can put this into perspective. Because mm-hmm. essentially, what I want this podcast to be is a is, is, a, is a is is a lesson, right? We, yeah. we learn, we become inspired. I, I, this is not about, I don't want to do a podcast where all we talk about is some guy who's, a, who's an idiot and did some stupid stuff because thereby, by the grace of God, go all of us. But this one is just so big <laughs> that I. It, it makes me as a human being ask questions about how somebody can go this far and do this kind of thing. Let's go to the next one. He said he attended very elite private schools, Horace Mann mm-hmm. and Baruch College. They checked. Of course, as any good journalist would, you pick up the phone, you call the school, and you say, I would like to know if the following person with this date of birth ever attended school there. And they say, Nope, no such thing. Nobody by the name George Santos or Sabrowski or Dalvinell or whatever other hell name he's used ever went to school here. Again, bald face lie.
1: Uh, yeah, and this is the type of lie I feel that is more in line with, uh, like having people believe in me. Because hey, look at me! I'm a smart guy. Look at these prestigious schools I went to. Of course, I'm smart. I, I, you know, that's as simple as that. That's where a lie like that would come from. It, and those, it's are, by self- the way, those are, those
0: are kind of expensive schools that most kids who grow up in New York usually don't get into or can't afford to
1: right. go to. Correct. Uh, I mean, so you're you know you're putting yourself you know up there. You really are with with things like that. you know,
0: boy, I'll give you another example of this. One of the things, if you know, because you listen to my podcast all the time, and obviously you know too, Scotty, every time I come on this podcast and I talk about who I am, Mm -hmm. I take pride in the fact that I got so much from my parents because they were the greatest people in the world. And. I got their love and I got their learning and I got their lessons, but I didn't have any money and they didn't have any money. And my parents never made more than $11,000 a year combined income. And my dad had two jobs and he worked in a hotel and he washed dishes and he was a busboy, and my mom sewed shoes in a factory. And that's a part of my condition. That's who made me. That's what I am. And here's the reason I'm saying that to you now, and I want you to listen to this is, here's one of the parts that just came out that's really affecting me and maybe the one that affected me the most. So he says that his mother died on 9-11 or as a result of 9-11 or shortly after 9-11. 9-11 essentially claimed my mother, he said. So uh, he said, and this is a direct quote, that Fatima, that's his mother, Fatima, she was the first female executive at a major financial financial institution and that she worked at the World Trade Center And that she was claimed by the 9-11 attack. Those are all, those words I just used are his words. Those are direct quotes. Now we find out that in fact, Fatima, who I'm sure was a wonderful woman, worked as a domestic worker, Mm. like my mom, you know? Yeah, yeah. She was, you know, she cleaned people's houses. She took care of older people. Uh, She also worked as a cook. And she also worked from time to time as as a nurse, you know? In you know a nursing aid or something, she never learned to speak English, she only spoke Portuguese, so she was not in any financial institution and uh, he she certainly did not die in um, 9 and, and, eleven and there's a side point here. by the way, let me just stop there. I say that because when I think of a man needing to lie about his mother tells me something about him. Um, You know, there's this saying that we all believe in that my wife and me talk about all the time. If you're a a woman and you're looking for a man, uh, look at how he treats his mother and it'll tell you how he's going to treat you. Um, That goes way back. That's part of Spanish lore. Probably Yiddish lore, probably Chinese lore. Mm-hmm. I mean, in every culture, oh, yeah. that's the, you know. Show me how a man thinks of his mom, and I'll tell you how he thinks of other women, mm-hmm. maybe other people, and we could probably fill that. Yeah, but but the fact that he had to make this lie up because he didn't want people to know who his real mother was, Scotty, there's some self-hate in that, man.
1: I, that I was—you literally took the words out of my mouth. All of this seems like there's a lot of self-loathing, just hate in there, uh not happy with who he is as a person maybe or 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 what he projects as a, as a human or what he contributes because all these lies are like, you know, again, not to just to pick on him, you know, directly, a lot of people lie like this. It's a very common thing for people just to lie to make others like me or feel comfortable about me or think more of me. It's not as simple as just, you know, it, it, but the 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 size of the lie the amount of lies, that's where things start to become kind of well, troubling this is, this, for anybody. But
0: but 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 we're what we're narrowing in on now is, remember I said at the top of the show, it's about your inner core. What, yeah. What's in your inner core? Where do we get that? My my love and appreciation for my mom with all her faults and my dad with all his faults is never-ending. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I get sad saying this because I recently lost my dad, but I will never stop being appreciative. Of everything my dad gave me and to go out there and lie about my dad for me would say a
1: lot about my principles
0: and my ethics or your ethics if
1: yeah no no, i agree you know and and who's to even say he had a healthy relationship with his mother to care well let me tell you a little bit about about that
0: so i told you his mom used to take care of people like she right she took care of the elderly and you know one of those one of those jobs. It's probably the most important in our life. Like I happen to be lucky enough to be able to pay for a couple of people to take care of my mom today because she needs it. And they're like nursing aides, and they come and they're with her because she's got a little bit of memory issues. And that's what they do. And these are wonderful, hardworking people who earn their keep, man. They're fantastic. You know, um, his mother did that. And her, his mother did that for a man in Brazil because he's from Brazil. That's where he's from. And she, he lived with his mom. And this congressman, George Santos, uh, once went and stole the man who his mom was taking care of. He, mm-hmm. stole her, he stole his checkbook and then went shopping with it and bought like $750 worth of stuff which is a big deal for some guy I mean, who was sure. obviously poor and his mom was taking care of him and while his mom was taking care of him without her knowing he stole his checkbook and went shopping brazilian police found him he pleaded guilty but then never showed up in court and we are now learning that brazilian police have only found out about him because they turned on the tv and found that this guy they were looking for wow. just became a congressman <laughs> wow in new york talk about Uh, spitting some unbelievable yarn here. Um, He lies about what his mom did. What his mom did was take care of poor people or older people or people who needed help. And he once used his mom's position, who he's now lied about, to steal from one of the people he took care of. And Brazilian police have just announced they're recharging him and they want him extradited back to Brazil. Oh, my God.
1: That's, yeah, it's funny, too, because I was thinking at the beginning of this, you know, what 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 are traits that I, I would associate with people that are liars? And the two other traits that came up with it are people that lie. They also cheat and they steal. I mean they lie, cheat and steal. That, that those three three things kind of go together. They're not quite murderers. They're not that diabolical, but you know, if I see somebody that lies to me on things like that, then I'm gonna anticipate that they're probably going to cheat me out or try to steal from me. And it's as simple as that. And with an elected official in this sense, it's very troubling. Because, again, he's there to represent these people in, the, in this district. And if every single thing he told these people to get them to vote for him was a lie, what do you think he's going to do? Yeah, no, th-
0: listen, <laughs> listen, this guy we're talking about, he's a fucking congressman. <laughs> we're not I mean, the only reason is people, by the way, are dishonest and do horrible things right.
1: and make up stories about their lives all the time. But this guy's a congressman. So, And, and I it, think I was going to say context is important here. That's the and that's the thing. He's a congressman. It's you know everybody lies. I've lied before. You've lied before. Mm-hmm. And, and what what the degree of the lie is, you know, it's the context of what it is. I lied about taking the cookie from the cookie jar. <laughs> is that really really that bad? No. Oh, yeah. But you understand what I'm saying. Oh, you've been you, poop- shit. Screw you. You've had bigger poop- lies than that. Don't give
0: me this of cookie. Of course the- I have. I mean,
1: of course I have. You
0: know. <laughs> oh, I did a cookie. I stole a cookie once. I'm
1: I used so to go evil, into 7-Eleven huh?
0: with my friends and uh, we, <laughs> I've told you this story. Yeah, yeah. We we used to go into 7-Eleven. You know, the, the, the we, baseball cards were a big deal when I was right. growing up. Everybody wanted to have baseball cards. <sighs> and I would open the pack and take the card and then close it up when nobody was looking and I'd also take the gum. And, <laughs> and then leave it. The well, you know what? You you do enough of those, you know, that's a felony. I mean, you're right. You know, I I, I once saw me and my buddies, we once were get it going home from school, and there was a car on the side of the road that was left there because I guess, I don't know, somebody ran out of gas or something. We took the tires off of it. We were going to steal the tires. Now, what the hell we were going to do with those tires? I don't know. You imagine walking down the road with tires, but, yeah. we're, you know, yeah. I mean, we all do stupid shit. Right. We,
1: right. And and yes, this is. But the, also those weren't premeditated. Those were those are all those are all impulsive things that are happening in a way. When you're lying on a level where you're repeating this lie over and over and you're exaggerating on the lie and there's and there's different angles of the lie, whether they died in 9-11 or or the concentration camps or. You yeah, a few no, rush, you're right. You know. Because
0: no, that's when the inner core kicks in. That's when Correct. you, when you ha- but for example, here's another one. Uh, he says he worked at Goldman Sachs and he worked at Citi, uh, the two of the biggest financial institutions in the history of the world, uh, and that he was so big there that they asked him to make a major speech in front of one of the biggest private equity panel conventions ever held. And at the, during that speech, he says he criticizes employers Goldman and uh, and City for their positions on global warming, warming and, and and many other issues, and that, and and he said it was a very important day for him. Well, a they checked, never worked for Goldman Sachs, never worked for City. They called the people who were responsible for that uh, speech, uh, and the 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 organizer, by the way, who was uh, uh, Scaramucci. What's his name? Uh, S- Scaramucci. An- Scaramucci. Scaramucci. Thank you. The mooch. The mooch. <laughs> Uh, He he was just interviewed and he said, no, I was on that panel. I was one of the organizers of that. And he was never there, had nothing to do with it, never gave the speech, never said those things. Just completely made up.
1: We are the Real Brady Brady Bros. Brady Brothers from the TV show Brady Bunch. I'm Barry Williams. And I'm Christopher Knight. I played Greg. And uh, who are you again? I played Peter. We've decided that we're going to do a podcast around episodes of the Brady Bunch. We're going to use it as a prism to look back to our experience doing the show and why the Brady Bunch is still popular. Have a sunshine day. We are the Real Brady Brady Bros. Gosh. This guy, I I mean, listen, again, I don't want to be judgy and try to be all like, you know, high and mighty about these things, but there's different than telling a a compulsive white lie, you know, whatever you want to call it, where, hey, uh, Rick, you know, um, Why did it take you so long to get home? Uh, Oh, I had to stop at the gas station or whatever it may be, you know, as opposed to being a pathological liar. I mean, this is pathological lying. This isn't I'm lying on a campaign and saying that, you know, oh, yeah, I served in Vietnam uh, during Vietnam. And then they found out, well, you just had clerk duty or or, or or like all of us
0: Latinos always lie about time. I don't know what it is with us. Any Latino will (laughs) tell you he's five minutes away. No matter where the hell he is, he could be on Jupiter and he's five minutes away. And it's like, it's crazy where, oh yeah, I'll be right there. How how far are you? Five minutes, and, you know, and then by chance, sometimes here's a good thing with Latinos. Always check. Where are you? Cause they'll tell you they're five minutes ah, yeah. away. They're, they'll tell you they're, they're five minutes away from New York city when they're in Delaware. Okay. Um, I mean, it just. You, you, you got to verify, man. Trust but verify. So said Reagan uh, to uh, Gorbachev, right? Um, but I know. It, it's our nature. By the way, it's not right. only Latinos. I don't want to pick on our people only. Everybody exaggerates about time. I've always and-
1: called it Miami time because no matter where you go in Miami, you're going to hit traffic. That's <laughs> going to be way worse than you thought, and it's going to hold you up. So well, Los well, Angeles, been-
0: New York, it doesn't matter where you are. They'll always right. tell you, uh, I'm going to be there at 10. And 10 turns out to be 1015 15 or 1020. okay, It's our nature. It's probably one of the things. And yet you're right. That's different than, than what we're talking about. I only got two more and I know there's more. He said four of his employees in his business died at the pulse nightclub. No such thing. None of his employees died at the pulse nightclub. And then finally uh, this one, which is really fascinating. He says, or lied about the fact that he's a successful real estate investor in New York City. And look, being a real estate investor in New York City is a big deal. That's the Mac daddy. As you know, you're from New York, Scotty. I'm not though. I worked and lived there a lot, uh, that, uh, he's a successful real estate investor and he managed 13 properties in New York, 13. And he owned those, uh, several of those properties. Uh, he was a landlord, very successful landlord. Uh turns out, when they looked, not only does he not have those properties, he doesn't even own a home. Uh. He lives in his sister's basement. And they also found out that he never owned uh, a building or an apartment or his own home. He was a renter. By the way, nothing wrong with being a renter. Uh, but he didn't pay his rent, so he was evicted several times from apartments in New York. So l- look at the difference between n- not only did he lie. But when they found out the truth, it was so far removed from the truth that he told the lie that he told that it was like, ridiculous. I mean, not only did he not have uh, 13 buildings, he didn't even have a house. Not only did he n- n- not have a, a business, but he was actually evicted from the apartments he did have. I mean, that the way you juxtapose those two things make you wonder, What is it about the inner core of this human being that would allow him, or, or or would maybe a better question is, Scotty, that would necessitate that lie? Because it's what he wanted, as opposed to what he had.
1: I mean, for a lie that size, yeah, it just it's what he wanted that bad. I think is it's as simple kind of as that. I mean, if he's willing to tell things that are checkable, you know, that you're able to fact check. And he's willing to tell these lies to such an extreme, uh, I guess it was just the end goal. I mean, he, he, obviously he wasn't, a, uh, he wasn't an honest, he's not an honest person. Is there probably some self-love thing in there that makes him want to lie about his past and where his family comes from and what he represents? Then, I mean, that's what it seems. But hmm. yeah, I think just the, the, the amount of lies, it's because he wanted to be a congressman. He wanted that power. Here's what I told the uh,
0: Christian Science Monitor. They asked me, why is this coming to light after he was elected? My answer, I said, most of us are bad liars, and we could never run a campaign or even be in a public setting without being found out if we made these kind of lies. However, there is a small but growing number of Americans for whom lying has become a chosen and very polished skill set. In fact, they are unflappable, deprived of any sense of guilt or remorse. And that makes them more convincing and hard mm. to detect. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I think pretty dead on with that one. It is definitely becoming more common. And I, I think mean, I, I, what I'm uh,
0: saying is, in the old <sighs> days, there was something that would have made it, would have made the lie obvious. Mm-hmm. And somehow, not that people didn't create great you know, lies back then, but no. somehow I think there were fewer and it was harder. It, it, it Maybe it's the media, but it, it, I think today there's more people who would just, why lie small when you can lie big? Right. And that's what they do. Just make the whole shit up.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a trait that we're seeing more and more in society. I mean, forget about mainstream media. I'm talking just social media. You know, I always see this in social media where people post happy photos and you think these people have the greatest life and have money and yeah. have all these things. And I mean, literally, I have people that I personally know that put these things on their on their social media on a daily basis. And then I'll talk to them on the phone and they'll be telling me that their their wife's going to leave them. <laughs> Or they are talking on the phone and they can't pay their bills. But you just posted a picture of your brand new car and your brand new sneakers and your brand new Versace shades and all these other things. And you're telling me that you don't know how you're going to pay rent this month. So I think even if it's not a conscious lie, subconsciously we lie and it's becoming, like you said, it's becoming more common of a thing because we're doing it on a daily basis more frequently without thinking about it.
0: What happened to the vetting responsibilities of the media after all the man was running for Congress? Here's what I said. Uh, Here's how I answered that question for them in this article, which I think is appearing tomorrow or the next day. What media, I ask? You mean the ones that cover politics? They tend to be establishment types, elitists, and beholding to institutions like government and corporations, which makes them not good at catching scoundrels in their midst. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) Alternative and independent journalists are far better at doing this, but they usually eschew... Boring political races. Maybe hmm. they should be covering politics yeah. instead of the institutional journalists.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking uh, a m- more simplified answer, but it's just not shiny enough for the, the media. But now it is, obviously, because now there's a there's controversy there. So now we want to talk about this. But you're right. Uh, local, I've always found local po- uh, local reporters to be more in tune of these things. But little races like this, man, who cares? You know, what, 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 they're going to be running again in two years anyway. So who cares? But when there's a controversy now behind it, when there's something juicy behind, not just a story, this is juicy. Now we want to cover it. Now we want to talk about it. You got to go take Anthony to school, right? No, I have to pick Anthony up from school.
0: Oh, we'll go get Anthony from school, and we'll chat a little later. <sighs> All right,
1: take it Love easy, man. guys.
0: Here's the thing, Uh, the lesson in all of this for you and for me and really for all of us, aside from what we spoke of, which is ethics matter, principles matter, principles aren't new, principles are something that exists in time. Principles are historic. You can't come up with new principles. You can come up with new ideologies. You can come up with new policies. You can come up with new laws, but you can't come up with new principles. Principles have been established since the dawn of time. They don't change and they don't exist somewhere other than with inside of you. And and what are those things, right? What, What are those things? Well, unfortunately, the very first one, for me, for you, for everyone. What is the very first principle? Remember, principles don't change. What is the very first principle that you need to understand and use as your ethos, um, your norte, as we say? ¿Qué cosa es tu norte? What is your north? What does your, what, what your compass say you have to follow? Number one, honesty. Honesty. If you ain't got that, you ain't got nothing, right? If you ain't got that, you ain't got nothing. Committing to truth in all forms of communication and actions to avoid misrepresentations and overstatements as much as possible, that makes you reliable. So, look, very simple. I mean, write it down. It's what makes you ethical, what makes you principled. The first thing is you don't lie, you know? You don't lie. And I mean, realize. I don't mean white lives, I don't mean the things that we use sometimes to get through in life. Number two, and as a journalist, I will tell you, this is my, you know, maybe as important as honesty is fairness. What is fair? Fair, said one journalism professor to me at the University of Minnesota, is treating others the way you would want to be treated. He said, Mr. Sanchez, never write a story about somebody and say things about him that you wouldn't want said about you if it wasn't true. Don't stretch that moment. Fairness. Be fair. Try and be as fair as you can to the people you meet and the people you know. The third one may surprise you because I think this is one of the most important things you can do. And maybe it's because I've been associated in a lot of businesses recently, but leadership. Lead. Know how to lead. Demonstrate, you know, that conscious effort to set a positive example for the people around you. Know that everywhere you go, whether it's it's not just your children, if you're a, a mom, or it's not just, uh, you know, employees, if you're the foreman, but know that everywhere you go, there will be eyes on you, and those eyes will follow your example. And the example you set is your ability to lead. Because you can say a lot of shit, and we all do, and we know politicians do. But look at George Santos. He said a lot of shit. But now we know who he is. That's setting the example, right? That's leadership. Number four is integrity. I mean, demonstrating integrity through consistency of action and words. I mean, that's who you are, right? What is your integrity? What are you made of? Do you honor commitments? Do you keep promises? Do you meet deadlines? Do you refuse to participate in unscrupulous acts? Integrity. This one goes back to what we were taught by our spiritual sense. Whatever religion you come from, you know this. Whether you're Christian or whether you're, uh, you know, uh, Jewish or Muslim, in all of the books, one of the key um, principles is compassion. Said another way, love. If, If you can't show compassion, if you can't show the ability to feel someone else's hurt who are you i mean it's it's benevolence right it's understanding appreciating and caring for the sensitivity of others it's knowing that others may be affected it's feeling for them through them as best you can it's compassion again these these are the things that this story about George Santos brings to us that makes us wonder, how was he able to lose his inner core? And I'm not talking about a guy who goes out one day and murders because, well, robs a bank. No, th- th- this is a stream of, 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 of acts that run afoul of all of these things that we're talking about now, which makes it important for us to talk about these things. That makes these things suddenly matter. Respect. Where was that, George, congressman? Where was respect? Where was the respect for the people you were lying to? Where was the respect for your mother, for your name, for your own sense of who you are, for yourself, man? Having to make up three different names and three different stories about who you were. I mean, that's, you know, probably one of the most important principles that creates who we are, our ethics, right? Responsibility. I mean, if you take responsibility for your job, if you strive to be conscious, if you strive to understand the emotions, the financial, the business consequences of all the actions you take, you're responsible to be a responsible human being. And uh, finally, and I think this is maybe one of the most important, loyalty. To be loyal. I mean, to uh, to be able to be trusted, to be able to have that sense of confidence, to remain faithful to those that you have made a commitment to, whether they be your spouse or your client or your co-worker or your business partner or your suppliers. That sense of loyalty is one of the most important attributes. You know, nowadays, they talk a lot about these. And there are certain laws, by the way, if you happen to be a business, things you have to report, things you have to say. If you're a publicly traded company, there are certain actions you can't take. And some of these things have been codified. But there is no substitute for the idea that if we, you and me, and more and more of us don't care about these things, these 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 principles of ethics, as I just listed them, loyalty, responsibility, respect, compassion, integrity, leadership, fairness. And number one, number one in our countdown, honesty. I, I couldn't help but think of this because these are the kinds of lists that I keep handy for myself as I try and you know, guide my own life through moments when I'm down and and, and and moments when I'm up. And and I thought of them yesterday when the PR uh, folks who uh, help us here at Agua Media reached out to me and say, we've got a lot of publications who are reaching out to you and they want to know what you think of this guy, George Santos. Right. What do you think of uh, George Santos? And And I stopped right there in the middle of the day and I started putting, you know, pen to paper, as they say. Actually, of course, it was on my laptop, so I was typing. But And I started thinking of what did I want to say? And sure, I mean, you know, we spoke specifically about how it affects the media. When they said, why didn't anybody find this? I told them nobody cared because they didn't think this race had any relevance. It didn't. Nobody thought this was going to matter. So they didn't care. Nobody followed it. It wasn't targeted by assignment editors or editors of all at, at newspapers or or CNN or this one or even local stations because it, it wasn't supposed to be anything other than a democratic win. And along comes this Republican that tells this huge lie and wins. Oops, you know. And what does it mean for elections? Well, it kind of lowers the bar, doesn't it? It lowers the bar even more for politicians whose credibility is already at an all time low. I mean, think about it. The the most recent studies have politicians, members of Congress, are valued by Americans below used car salesmen. (laughs) So they think more of used car salesmen. I think I saw one that said they're on 8% favorability. And along comes this guy. And what does that do? Oh, and by the way, they're not forcing him out. They're keeping him in because we have a two-party system and he won as a Republican. They need more Republicans, so they're not going to force him out. In what other field, in what other world would they find out, your boss find out that everything you told him about yourself was a lie and instead of firing you, he says, no, you can keep your job. Where? Where? Where would that happen? Where? In what profession, in what sector would that happen? None. But yet in Congress, we now know that this guy is Phony baloney. Everything about his life is a lie. And it's now been documented. There's even authorities looking to arrest him. And what does his party say? Nope. He can stay. We're not going to force him out. We're going to welcome him in because we need his vote. Because that's all that matters. The power of his vote. What the hell does that say? And then finally, um, They asked me in this interview whether the election represents a tipping point, right, for the need for factual, verified, trustworthy information in political campaigns and and whether that would happen now as a result of this. Unfortunately, I said it wouldn't. Maybe for a month or two, as we have conversations like you and I have had on this podcast. Hopefully, to learn to not be like this and to be better. But, you know, just like the big lie that was the invasion of Iraq or other lies that we've been handed in the past by politicians, it too will likely be forgotten. My goal with this podcast, not by us. Because we're not doing this podcast to be critical of this guy, whoever the hell he is. He's a dime a dozen. It's because. From what he did, we can all learn. And that's what we do. I mean, this is the Rick Sanchez podcast where we try and be heuristic, right? And uh, we ask you to reach out and share what this podcast talks about with whoever you know, so that we can continue to get more of tens of thousands of people who are jumping on board and being a part of this story we tell with a wider angle lens as well, as being different, as part of the you know new mainstream economy, Latinos, which is what I am, and it's not just Latinos; it's everybody else like us who are kind of outliers, but we see things a little differently, and hopefully, in such a way so that we can bring about some change. This is part of AgroMedia. Media. This is the Rick Sanchez podcast. I am Rick Sanchez, and you can find us on Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. And I want to thank you for being there, and we'll see you again in just a couple of days, right here. Dale, ándale, vamos con todo Agua